Tonight we are going to be hearing from John's Gospel, the one of the traditional passages read on Monday, Thursday. And so we'll be reading from John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, and then jumping over to verse 31 through 35. So I invite you to stand as you are able in body and spirit and honor the reading of the Gospel passage. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And the devil had already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. But Peter said to him, You'll never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him for this reason. He said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, he had put on his robe and returned to the table. He said to them, Do you, what I, do, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. And very truly I tell you, servants, are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God had been glorified in him, God will also glorify in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, Where am I going, you cannot go. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. If I had to guess, I would guess for many of you in here today that today, Thursday, was probably a very typical Thursday for you up to this point, more than likely. Many of you probably went to your jobs if you're working and did what you normally do on Thursdays. Many students in here went to school and went to the classes they were supposed to go to today and do the assignments they were supposed to. People probably today, most of us, had a normal, ordinary Thursday up to this point. But now you've made the choice to make a change. Instead of your normal Thursday night activities, whatever that may be, you decided to come to church and to hear the story, to hear about the final moments of our Savior. You came and made a change on this one Thursday to do just that. Well, for Jesus and his disciples, the week of Passover started off with a lot of excitement. Many of us on church on Sunday heard the story 
of Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. A lot of excitement. People believe that we're there in that moment that their Savior has come, the Son of David, the one that is going to overthrow Rome and reinstate themselves as rightful rulers over God's temple in Jerusalem. That Jesus was that guy. And as he entered in with all the excitement, they were shouting, Hosanna, save us, save us. Hosanna. It was started out with a lot of excitement. This Passover week for Jesus and his disciples was not ordinary. It wasn't your typical Passover festival. And his disciples were seeing that played out. His inner circle of folks, the ones that have followed him, were called by him and been with him for three years, are now starting to see this Passover is not ordinary. Something's different. This scene that we have here, you only read about it in John's Gospel. But in this scene, the disciples and Jesus are sharing a meal during the week of Passover. Many believe this is his last supper meal, the ones that we're about to partake in in a moment. And at this supper, Jesus had a surprise for his disciples, something, again, that would not be ordinary. On Monday, Thursday, we look at the final moments of Christ. We look at his entry into Jerusalem. We look at his final moments with his disciples, and we prepare ourselves for Good Friday and what happens next. We pause and we think about what is going on and what we need as disciples of Christ, what we need to learn from this moment. What is Jesus telling us, just as he told his disciples? Because just like Palm Sunday, Jesus is very intentional in every single thing that he does. He knows that he has to get it right to show us what it means to be a follower of him. And so the surprise he had for his disciples, as we continue in this story, after the meal, he gets up from the table. He arose from the table. The word that is used when he got up from the table was the same word that was used when people are resurrected and arose in the Bible. It was a powerful, intentional rising. And he gets up. He gets up, takes off his robes. And I can only imagine the disciples are like, what, what's he doing What's, what's he doing here? And then he wraps a towel around him and pours water in a basin. And I bet they're starting to figure out, he, he's going to wash our feet. He is going to actually wash our feet. Our Lord and teacher is going to do a job that servants and women of the house are going to do. Definitely not somebody who's going to overthrow Rome and be king of the Jews. He's not going to wash my feet. And feet were dirty back then. Feet are dirty now. But feet were dirty back then. And that was something that servants did. Not the Lord. Not Jesus. But yes, this is the surprise. But he's also showing us for example. As an example, we are to model that and do what he showed us. And so he begins washing their feet. And Peter, God loved Peter. He's one of them, I mean, he, all of them are human, but he's got the most human responses in the Bible sometimes. And he said, Lord, when he got to him, no, 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 no. You're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing. If you don't allow me to wash your feet, then you are no part of me. And Peter's like, oh, okay then. 
Okay, then. Well, then wash my whole body. To go from the head to the toe. And he said, no, no, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. You see, Peter, still in his heart, had a little bit of a doubt. on Why would this Messiah King be washing my feet? He shouldn't be doing that. Peter's plan, in his heart, he wanted Jesus to be the king of Jerusalem and Israel, not some servant. His king is not going to be a servant and wash his feet. But yes, Jesus is. And you see, when you wash feet, instead of washing someone from the head down, you have to humble yourselves and you have to bend down. And that was intentional. Jesus wanted to bend his knee at his disciples' feet and wash their dirty feet to show them that example. He didn't want to stand up and stand over them, but he wanted to bend down. But I don't know about you. If you've ever been in a time in your life where you needed help, like you had surgery and you can't get out of the bed or whatever, you need help getting to the restroom or if you ever had somebody actually give you a sponge bath on like some legs or whatever, you know, it puts you in an awkward place. It puts you in an awkward place. And some people will actually, some churches will actually do a foot washing event on this night. We're not surprising y'all, we're not washing your feet, okay? But some people do that. And if you've ever been a part of that, it's, it's, it's awkward. It's awkward. But what the reason why it is, and the reason why sometimes for some of us, when people help us, when we can't help ourselves, we need help, you're in a vulnerable position. You're putting yourself in a position where someone else is going to do something for you. For me, that's hard. I have a hard time letting folks help me for whatever reasons it is. I just don't like people to do stuff for me. And when you do that, though... You're opening yourself up. And in this moment, the disciples have to allow and open themselves up for their Savior and their King to bend down and wash their feet and be intimately in a close space, connecting to them in that moment. But you see, that's what our God wants of us. You know, many of us put God, we compartmentalize God in our lives. We, we put God here in the church house. But when we leave the church house and get on Old Canton Road and go back to our business, we leave God here, though, some of us in our minds. He's not going to go with us. We don't want him to ride with us. We don't want him to come home with us. We only want to go see God at church. Because if God rides with you in the car and goes with you to your home, that's an intimate relationship that you have to open yourself up to. And God is also vulnerable to us as well. It's a mutual relationship that he wants. He wants that type of close relationship with his people. And for some of us, it makes us uncomfortable, and we don't want to do that. It made Peter uncomfortable that his king was going to wash his feet. But he allowed it. He allowed it. Even though it seemed weird, he allowed it. You know, I think that's a theme in our faith sometimes. Sometimes we are called to do something that seems different, seems difficult, challenging, whatever it is, but we're called to have faith, trust God, and pursue that call, 
pursue what he is calling us to do, even though it may make us a little uncomfortable, even though we may want to run away from it and we don't want to do it. But we are called to open up with faith and follow. And so when Jesus finishes washing their feet, he sits back down, puts his robe on, and sits down at the table. And he says, I did this as an example. Now you need to do this to yourselves and to others. You are to serve others. Our king is a servant king. Therefore, as disciples, we are to be servants to others as well. We are called at times to humble ourselves and go and help the homeless, visit the prisons, invite people to church that the community says they don't belong in church. We are called to go and humble ourselves and serve others, just as our king humbled himself and served us. And so he told his disciples that at this time of Passover, at the time of excitement, where it's an unordinary type of Passover. And he knew he was doing this because he had very limited time left. And the interesting thing here, you know, if you've been part of our Lent series, we've been mentioning uh, parts in the Bible where the devil is mentioned, and we've been looking into that. Well, the devil is mentioned in this story as well. He's hanging out in the background, waiting for his moment to strike. Because Passover week, God and the devil had the same destination. And that destination was the cross. But they wanted different outcomes from that cross. The devil was trying to get people to lose hope, which is the opposite of faith. He wanted the crowds to lose hope that the Messiah that rode in on a donkey was not actually going to overthrow Rome and could not save them. And the devil was successful in that. The crowds on Good Friday shout, crucify him. Just about five days later from saying, save us, O son of David. Now they're saying, crucify him. Because they are starting to see, this Messiah, he's not going to be the big military King David guy that we thought he was going to be. Judas lost hope. Judas lost hope because he also thought that Jesus was going to be that type of king. And he was going to try to force that hand one more time by betraying him just for some coins. And so Judas was there in the scene. Judas had his feet washed. Judas had the last supper with Jesus, and then he left. He received God's grace and God's love. But instead of choosing life, he chose death. Because when you lose hope, you die. And he lost hope. He chose the path of death, which is what the devil wants. He doesn't want to give you life. He doesn't want you to have full faith in God. He wants to separate you from your creator, and he wants you to die. And Judas chose death. In Matthew's gospel, Judas, it talks about how he does die. And so in this moment... In this Passover week, the devil's there working in the background and all this. But the devil wanted Jesus to be crucified on the cross and for everybody to lose hope and to give up. While God had a plan on the cross 
to resurrect our Christ and to provide a path for our salvation. He wanted to defeat death through Jesus' resurrection. And so Judas is here and then he goes. And he goes into the night to go get the guards to bring them back to the garden so they can arrest Jesus. But at the end, the passage that we have here, when you jump over to verse 31, Jesus says this. He says, go and do as I have done to you. This is why I've done everything, to show you how to be my disciple. And the world will know that you are my disciple by your love. I gave you love, now you go give love. Go love one another and go love your God in the world. That is how they're going to know you are my disciple. This is the why. This is the why. In Matthew's gospel and other gospels, they talk about the greatest commandment is to love God and love your neighbor. All the laws and prophets hang on that. Love is our measure. Love is how we are known to the world. You know, when you read scripture or if you come across a situation in your life or or whatever, and you're like, oh, I wish, what does the Bible say about this? I wish I knew what the Bible would tell me to do in this moment and this and that. I can tell you real simple, it's going to tell you to love. That is the measure, that is the lens that you live your life through. And when you do that through your love, that's the world, they'll see that and they'll say, that's a disciple of Christ. Sounds so simple, but it's so hard to do. But tonight... As we take communion, as we hear this story of Jesus, we see him living out that love. He's very intentional in what he is doing. He is giving us the example. And so tonight and tomorrow and through the rest of the week, may we remember that. May we live our life through love. May we read scripture through the lens of love. Because that is how we'll be known as the disciple of Jesus Christ. Let us pray.